Liz Sumner, and this is I Always Wanted To, the podcast where I interview people who are doing things that others long to do. What have you always wanted to try? Today, my guest is Charles Mitchell. Charles is an experienced artist and teacher who has taught in specialist art colleges and universities in the UK and overseas. He was Dean of the Faculty of the Arts and Humanities at the University of Cumbria before moving to Italy in 2010. Now semi-retired, Charles leads painting workshops all over Italy through paintinginitaly.com. Welcome, Charles. Hi, Liz. Hi. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. I invited you because I wanted to explore the idea of taking up painting or rekindling an interest in painting later in life. And you have an interesting perspective on this as an instructor for painting in Italy. So tell me a little about that organization and about what you do. Well, painting in Italy is a high-end organizer of painting holidays. It is one of the very best around. It's an organization run from Italy that works really well, a small group of artists in beautiful locations, in really lovely places across Italy. And the makeup of the kind of holidays is that people will come for a week. Often they're single people, sometimes they come as couples. And some of those people are very experienced and some of those people are, are absolute beginners or near beginners, don't have a lot of experience at all. What they come for is a mix of having some instruction in painting. And often that might be about just learning how to do the basic techniques, sometimes to improve their skills or to learn a particular technique, but also to have a holiday and mix with other people as well. Mm-hmm. You say that they have people who are experienced and people who are just beginners. How, how does that work for you as a teacher? And how does it work for the beginners and the more experienced people in the classes? Uh, it, it's interesting. Um, it, it's interesting for me as a teacher because until I meet them, unless they're returners, and we do sometimes get people coming back, I don't meet them until we all meet as a group at the start of the holiday. And so unless we've had correspondence before, and sometimes that does happen, and I encourage people to get in touch and say, look, this is what I want to do, or this is what I'm a bit afraid of. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, I don't really know until we meet how experienced they are. And if I were to, to make a, a, a sort of guess on this, a group on a, on a typical holiday, and groups, the groups I take tend to be, 10 to 12 people, never more than about 12 people at a time. And about 50% of them are experienced. Another quarter uh, will be, will have some experience. And then there's two or three people who may never have really done anything before at all. I know you're often a little bit nervous mm-hmm. about what they're actually going to do. Now that, that's a bit of a challenge, mm-hmm. but for me, maybe, uh, I, I mean, I never claim to be a good teacher. Um, <laughs> but for me, I, it, it, it doesn't really bother me that you've got some people who are very experienced and others who've got very little experience. Because my role, I think, all the time is certainly to try and give them some skills that they want the skills that they've never had before. Mm-hmm. But my role is to help them get up to the next stage of 
the process that they're trying to engage with as well. And so it doesn't really matter that one person is an absolute beginner and another person is a better artist than I am. And that does happen quite mm -hmm, often. Mm -hmm. I find that people who are glorious painters coming as well, and they've got their own reasons for coming on these kind of holidays too. So, and as everyone's working individually all the time, it's actually not a problem about shifting from, you know, one uh, easel set up uh, where somebody is producing a truly glorious watercolour that I would adore mm -hmm. if I could do it like that, mm -hmm. into somebody who's going to say to me, what should I be looking at here? Mm -hmm. uh, and so th that's okay. It's, it's not a problem for me. I think it's because I'm a lousy teacher. <laughs> Well, okay, so to tell me what, what, what's a good teacher? Why, why do you call yourself a lousy teacher? Uh, I, I spent my entire life in education, art schools and universities, as you were saying in the introduction. This, I still don't know what a good teacher is. There are many, many different kinds of good, good teachers, I think. Good teachers are the people who actually manage to get their students to do what the student actually is seeking to do and become better at whatever their subject is as well and it doesn't really matter how you actually get to that process uh, i've seen very very good teachers who perhaps may not know a lot about the techniques and skills of their subject but they have a kind of empathy with the students that enables the student to grow mm -hmm. uh, with, within the environment in which they're actually trying to work on the other hand I have seen, and I'm often envious of, people, teachers who have phenomenal skills, who can then not always succeed in passing on those skills to the students mm. who are trying to do it. Uh, so I, you know, I, you know, that's a confused answer from me. But you know, having spent 50 years in education, I'm still pretty confused about what a good teacher is. <laughs> um, you have to ask the students, really. And if the students feel that it's worked for them, well, that's probably a good teacher. So when a, a class begins, how do you sort of suss out what level they want to reach or what is the right next level for them to, to strive for? Okay, I, I can only say what, what I do here. The holidays that I work on are a mix of social and practical activities. And I think that's a nice balance. I actually quite like that. When, when I meet a group for the first time, we meet over dinner. Mm -hmm. So we meet socially before we actually meet in the studio or on the location mm -hmm. as well. And so clearly we, we get a chance to talk to each other, find out a little bit about each other at all. But when the next day we actually start and we to start to work and we are you know, in the environment, you're usually looking at a lovely slice of landscape or something like that, and somebody is confronted with, oh, I've got to get this down on canvas or paper, whatever it's actually going to be. That, at that point, what goes on between the two of us is a finding out process. <laughs> and always my first exercise is just to look and try and capture whatever it is we're actually looking at. And through the process of the student starting to make that work and the student and I talking to each other about that work as it's going through, with me trying very hard not to interfere too much with what they're doing, by the end of that session, we both usually got quite a good idea 
about where they're at and what it is they're actually trying to do as well. Now, that's the way I work. I have seen here in Italy some quite different processes on that. I, I, one, I remember one time at Lake Garda, which is one of the locations that I, I work at most years, I, a situation where a, a group of all women, they were all women, and there was a woman teacher as well. Everybody in middle age or sometimes a little older, but everyone as well wearing glorious straw hats with lots of ribbons on as well, mm -hmm. with a whole load of easels lined up in a straight line. And the teacher, who I didn't know, I'd never seen this before, the teacher started, and everyone, everyone had their easels pointing in the same direction, looking out over the lake, looking to the mountains beyond them, a glorious sunny day. The teacher started out by taking the brush from the first student and making the first strokes on the canvas hmm. for the student, hmm. handing the brush back, moving on to the next student and then doing the same thing and so on all the way down the line. And I watched incredulous as this because I thought, well, I couldn't do that. Hmm. Uh, because I couldn't do it because that is the teacher saying, this is how you do it, which hmm. is what a lot of people think teachers should be doing that. Hmm. But the teacher was giving the student no choice and perhaps the teacher wasn't actually finding out about what it was the student wanted to do mm. and how mm. the student could actually work. Um, when I see people for the first time, I don't know whether they're going to be working in watercolors or pastels or crayons mm. or mm -hmm. oil colors um, or anything at all. You know, it, it could be any kind of medium. And unless we get the chance to have that kind of dialogue about what it is the person actually wants to do and what their targets are, why they want to do it and what they're hoping to get out of it, I know nothing and I'm not going to be able to help them at all in that situation. I, I like your approach. I, I don't think I would like to have the teacher tell me what what I was supposed to do or where the first line was supposed to be, but to each his own, I guess. Yeah, um, I, th I think generally in, in the arts, and this, you're, you're, you're an artist yourself, I think in the arts anyway, it's very difficult for a teacher of any kind to actually start out by saying, this is how you do it. Mm, mm -hmm. I think it has to, if the person who you're working with, whether a musician, a poet, a painter, a dancer, whatever, you have to know what that person wants to be able to do, mm -hmm. what they're capable of doing, and, and what's within them that they're trying to express in the form that they've actually chosen. Michael was talking the other day about having to learn the basics though first, that you have to, to know the rules before you can break the rules. Uh, I think that, that, that's a really interesting statement. Now, um, you said in your introduction, I worked in art schools and, and universities. In, in my last years of working, I never used to do it in teaching at all. I was, I was a manager, I was a dean of faculty, and I had responsibility for English, literature, music, um, oh all of the humanities as well. So I was dealing with teachers who were not just visual artists or designers, mm -hmm. but who were musicians. And of course, musicians break down into performers and composers mm -hmm. and dancers as well. So I had, I had the whole spectrum. And over a lot of years in education, I, I have come to realize that different art forms do have different requirements in terms of how you actually work. In, in, 
English, for instance, or literature. Um, when, for someone who wants to become a writer, if they'll go to a conventional university or perhaps even do a creative writing course these days, if they are going to learn how to write, what do they do? They read. Mm. Before mm. they do anything else, this is what Michael was saying, what mm -hmm. they do first of all is they read other authors before they actually start to yes. write themselves or alongside person. And in music, it's a bit like that as well. There is a canon. There is a canon, of, and especially for performers, I think, perhaps more so than composers. There is a canon that you actually have to know and learn mm -hmm. before you can start creating and inventing yourself. Mm -hmm. Individual arts, art schools, especially in the UK and sometimes in America, although the United States, I think, still actually teach skills much more than they do in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, but in the visual arts, there's a different approach in universities, certainly, that from day one, the artist is expected to be original and producing their own work. Ah. And the canon, as it were, knowing about what all the rules are. Mm -hmm. has become less important over the years, which is why perhaps that a lot of the work that goes on in art schools now and a lot of the work that um, amongst young artists and the gallery system in both the United States and the UK, uh, the work that is presented to the public is so confusing for people because mm -hmm. often mm -hmm. it doesn't relate to the history that Michael was talking about mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. One of the things I find with the courses that I do is that it's, it's rather nice, in a sense, to work with students who are often older people who haven't been through, some of them, of course, have been to art school before, but to work with people who, by and large, haven't had that kind of university or art school education and are coming to the process of wanting to learn how to paint or to improve their painting for whatever their own reasons are, whether they are reasons from within, or whether it's just a representation of what they're actually looking at as well. But they want to learn the craft skill, mm -hmm. and they don't get a lot of the hang-ups that are, are there in the contemporary art world as well. Yeah, that sounds as though there's some, some shortcuts for people who are approaching it at, later in life and want to return to a, a love that they might have let drop over the years but also if they have some knowledge of how universities approach teaching painting th that might be very intimidating when they're coming back and think oh my god i have to go through i i would need to have that kind of education before i can even pick up a brush i, I think that's a very very interesting point this actually because i sometimes get people coming on to these holidays of people who had been to art school, had been to a, um, an arts course in university, and felt they didn't succeed mm. while they were actually it, and sometimes felt confused by the approach to contemporary art that they'd actually come across there. Mm -hmm. And as such, it becomes a barrier for them as well. Mm -hmm. it, it is an interesting point. You've just reminded me of something, um, one of my daughters, who is herself an artist, and who, when she was a little younger, enjoyed quite a lot of experience in that sort of contemporary art world mm -hmm. um, and was quite successful as what she was doing. She used, to, um, she used to say to me things, something like, Dad, if you want to be an artist, 
the best thing you can do is not go to art school. <laughs> if, if you want to do anything else in life, an art school education is a really great education. And I thought, that's, a, that's a pretty smart, I've, that sticks with me. It's a pretty smart thing to say, because it's true, because art schools are wonderful at developing individuals in a fairly chaotic kind of way. Of uh -huh. you know, How many pop groups, how many entrepreneurs have come from the art school background as well. Yet most people who do go to art school, the only exhibition they ever put up in their lives is the exhibition that's at the end of their art school training. Because for one reason or another, they don't progress from that point. They go on to do eventually something else with their lives as well. But I'm, I'm still, even though I'm perhaps sounding a bit negative there, I'm a great fan of art school educations. I think it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful way of developing creative individuals who can uh, develop that creativity and use it in many, many different kinds of ways. In the world today, everywhere, everybody is much more generous about what creativity is. People used to just think you had to be an artist to be creative. Mm -hmm. But now uh, it, it can be expressed in any way at all. And one of the things when I'm working with groups now, one of the things I do try and encourage people to do is it doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what it is they're aiming for to try to. It doesn't matter what medium they're working with. If it, if it hits the button for them, if it does, whatever it is that inside they're trying to do, whether it's a life change for them or whether it is something that is just about having something as they see it, glorious to hang on their walls or to give to somebody who they care for. That's brilliant. That's the success as far as I'm concerned. So the people that you teach, the people who come to, to your classes, do they generally have something in mind that they are longing to try? It's, it varies. I'm going to generalize a bit now okay. because all, all groups are individual. My groups tend to be between 10 and 12 people, sometimes slightly smaller than that. Um, but I like a group of about 10 people. It's, it's a nice thing, because you get a nice interaction going mm. on. You're going to get a lot of variety in that group as well, both in terms of their life experiences mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're bringing to the group, but also what their aspirations are. Mm -hmm. My groups tend to be about 70% female, 30% male. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people come as couples um, and often the males who come are attached to painting females and don't paint themselves. Mm -hmm. And so they come for a bit of a holiday, if you like, and mm -hmm. they go off and they just participate in the social side of things. Mm -hmm. But I mostly get singles coming, of mm -hmm. uh, one kind of single or another. It's unusual for me to get a solo male. And I do get some, and they are frequently people who are fairly committed mm -hmm. to painting. Well, they do tend to be experienced and want to be improving specific skills. Mm -hmm. uh, females, I get the, the whole spectrum. I get very, very experienced painters who are really, really good and absolute beginners. Mm -hmm. So most of my groups comprise a, a majority of women and a few males. Generally, people tend to be over the age of about 50 mm -hmm. or so. I do occasionally get much younger people. This year, I've had some people in their 20s, and whereas I've sometimes worried that is there a good mix between young and old people? Well, mm. I find young people these days are much more generous in their approach to older people than, uh, than they used to be, if I can mm -hmm. 
Um, so the, the groups do tend to come with a range of different expectations and wanting to do different kinds of things. And do they choose the, the medium? You, it sounds as though you oh, choose yeah. no matter what they bring. Do the beginners, do you recommend a, a particular medium for sure. the beginners? Um, if, if they come on, on one of the holidays that I'm teaching, uh, everyone who's coming gets some information from, from me and, and from Sheila in advance yeah. that says, this is what we'll be doing. They get a program, but they also get some advice on the kind of media okay. that they might choose to bring. And that usually is to do with the kind of location. Let me give you a couple of examples. Mm -hmm. If I'm running a holiday in Venice, okay, Venice is a very, very popular location because it's a glorious city and a lot of people want to go to Venice and a lot of people love the idea of going and painting in Venice because so many artists have produced such fabulous mm. pictures of Venice mm. over many years. Mm -hmm. but however, mm -hmm. in Venice, it's difficult to get around. Mm -hmm. There are tons of tourists, so just getting through the streets is quite difficult. And you have to carry everything mm. wherever you go. And so it's not a really good idea to carry a big easel and lots of oil paints and huge amounts of kit with you mm -hmm. in an environment like Venice as well. Whereas if on the other hand, one of my favorite places to work is as a castle in Umbria, where we have a glorious rooftop studio with a covered cover over the top that opens the glorious parkland, the mountains around as well. In that location, I would say, yeah, sure, bring your oil paints, bring your acrylics, bring your big canvases if you want to, because we, we can cope with it mm -hmm. in a situation like that. You know, we're never going to move more than a couple of hundred yards mm -hmm. from where our base is. But, so it does vary. So, but generally, I would encourage people, especially people who are starting out, they might not be complete beginners, but they might be near beginners. I would say, look, you're coming on holiday, bring kit with you that you can carry for a start. Mm -hmm. Bring something that is portable, watercolors, pastels. If you're used to, used to using oil paints or want to use oil paints when you get home again, maybe choose to bring acrylics rather than oil paints because acrylics will dry and mm -hmm. oil paints are very, very difficult. Oil paints on canvas are very difficult to transport mm -hmm. once you finish because they're still going to be wet at the mm -hmm. end of the week as well. So it's, it's stuff like that. And of course, I do make recommendations for them about the kind of colors people might choose to bring, knowing the kind of locations we're doing. But I do try really hard not to be prescriptive because mm -hmm. um, who knows, if some of the most glorious work that I see as weeks evolve is stuff that, is, that I could not possibly have anticipated that people would do. And that, you know, that's fun for me. And I hope it's sometimes a good experience for the people who are coming as well. Okay, so imagine somebody is returning to their love of painting. Why, why shouldn't they just try a, a class at home? What is it about being in an exotic location that is different for, for a, a returning painter? Okay, I, a lot of the people who come to me do either join societies or classes at home. That, that does happen. I do sometimes find that when people have joined a class in a, 
perhaps it's an after-school class somewhere or in, in a college of further education or, or just an amateur group that meets regularly. There are sometimes limitations on the kind of experience that that class is able to give them. And the, those limitations can vary from people who will come to me and most of their experience has been about taking a postcard and copying a postcard which I don't think is always a very, very satisfying experience uh, mm -hmm. for someone who wants to create their own artwork as well. Sometimes their experience will have been restrained to, say, some figure drawing going on mm -hmm. in a classroom. A lot, of, a lot of classes, of course, take place in a wintry environment, and so the people are locked into a studio. The difference, that some of the differences that will come if, if they were to take a painting holiday is that they will meet a group of people who they probably don't know, who they've not met before. The people who come for the first time, I mean, they're being quite brave, I think, because if they come as a solo artist, they come as an individual, they're choosing to come on a holiday by themselves and meet a group of people who, and all artists think every other artist they're going to work with is a lot better than they are. <laughs> uh, they're going to come and meet a group of people who they don't know. And it's quite a brave thing to do, mm -hmm. actually. And they meet, as I say, uh, we try and structure it so we meet on a social occasion in the first place. And I find, by and large, that people do get on quite well. Once you discover the commonality of the fact that you're all there to actually try and improve or learn about an element of painting or just learn how to paint in the first place, or to work on and develop a specific skill conversation runs and friendships develop actually quite quickly as well within those groups and i always find that by the the night of our second dinner i could go away actually because they're all getting <laughs> fine by they learn at least as much from each other as, mm -hmm. as, as they do from, from me uh, as well i i think in that one it's as much social as it is anything else. Some of, some of the people I know who have come back several times are people who uh, are experienced artists and what they are wanting to do is to mix with other artists who they're being thrown together with because they, most of the time they don't know each other and they will then be picking up different kinds of experiences and stimulation from the group, never mind what the teacher's actually giving them as well. Changing back to the other kind of returners, the back to painting returners from people who started painting when they were younger, perhaps went to an art school, yeah, perhaps did an art school course, or perhaps had an interest as a young person that then for one reason or another never became a fulfilled career activity, or their lives took a different kind of direction. But then later in life, they, perhaps after a job, perhaps after a relationship, sometimes after a death, mm -hmm. uh, those people are looking for something different to do in their lives. And at that time, perhaps thoughts do go back to when I was younger, I could do this, I was quite good at this, I tried to do this, I started this. And so sometimes there's a kind of desire mm -hmm. to actually pick up on elements of your life that you had 
embarked upon, but then it somehow got lost mm-hmm. along the way. Mm-hmm. And they are among the most interesting groups, uh, individuals and groups to work mm-hmm. with as well, because they're people who really want to learn. Mm-hmm. Whatever they started years ago has stuck with them in their lives, hasn't perhaps had the chance to develop, or it's become a kind of a closet or a secret activity for them that perhaps hasn't always been shared with partners that they've had during their lives. And then at this time, when they choose to go on a holiday, it's an opportunity for them to have a go about doing something that's just for them as well. And so they come and they are incredibly rewarding people to work with. It's often, it's a question of, they're not quite sure what they want to do, how to do it. They will, they will step back into the past in terms of the sorts of things they're interested in doing. But then, perhaps through the process of being on the holiday, the conversations I have with them, the conversations they have with other people as well, new things start to happen. And it, it, it's a joy to see that, actually, when it happens as well. And sometimes friendships form new skills get learned and i know that some of these people go off and stay in touch with other people in the group for for years as well i do i've had some really interesting individuals who kind of fall into that category as well and some of those spill over into the the other kind of returns actually Mm -hmm. who keep coming back onto painting holidays a lovely woman i know who comes from the Eastern Seaboard in the United States, who she used to be a successful businesswoman and uh, sold her company uh, several years ago. She's about 70 years old now. And she now spends half of her year going on painting holidays to work with different tutors um, in the United States and Europe. And when she comes to Europe, she'll just move from one painting holiday to another. And she is a good artist and she has a great time and she has lots of friends. I, I love your observation about the people who, for what whatever reason, loved painting in the past and are using the painting holidays to, to rekindle that joy. The conversations are often about how something has changed. Something has changed in the person's life. And they now have an opportunity, for one reason or another, to do something completely different. Sometimes these these are people where there has been a death and there is life insurance money Ah. available. Mm -hmm. Or there is a retirement and there has been a lump sum involved Mm -hmm. or or something like that. They can afford to do something. Mm -hmm. And it is at a time in their lives when they can make a change Mm -hmm. and for whatever reason within their lives it's time for change and they have the courage to go on and do something completely Mm -hmm. different because i think it is quite a brave thing to do to actually go off and meet a fresh group of people Mm -hmm. who you've never met before it's not the sort of thing i'm ever likely to do (laughs) Um, but i i know that Mm -hmm. uh, people around me uh, often do it all the time, but they're much more courageous than I am. So. But I think it is a, it is a very courageous thing. To mm-hmm. And sometimes an art form is, it's something that is usually quite alien to what 
a lot of people have had to do in their working lives. Mm -hmm. Most of us spend our working lives not making art mm -hmm. one way or another. Yes. Most of us spend our lives doing something that perhaps has happened because we made art mm. or made art, and something else uh, then appears. So you end up being you know, an, an administrator, a manager, or mm -hmm. an organizer yep. as well. And then the time comes when you don't actually have to do that anymore. Uh, just to give another it's a very specific example, and again, a, an American student of mine um, who's worked with me a couple of times now, a psychologist, she had a really high-powered, high-profile job in the United States in psychology, and she saw retirement coming five years ahead, and she knew that she wanted to be a painter. Mm. I don't know how came to that decision, but she knew she became, she wanted to become a painter. So she started going on holidays and she joined art groups at home as well. And I've worked with this person two or three times now, and she's changed over a couple of years from being someone who just wanted to be a painter to knowing that she is now an abstract painter. And that's happened through a combination of what's inside herself, the classes she's been on, the holidays she's been on as well. And she's just this year actually made that step into retirement. And she is now a painter as well. Wow. And I think that's quite a success story, actually, when you see that. Yeah. Sometimes this is the first time in their lives when they are able to make a, a commitment, including a financial commitment, to themselves. They may have been giving all of their time and energy and perhaps money to a family or, or, yeah. or to, to something else, and now it's my turn. I am now willing to invest in myself and give myself this gift. I think that's exactly what a lot of the people who come on the kind of holidays that I'm working on are able to do and choose to do. So, so what's the best advice a teacher ever gave you? This is a, this is a silly answer. Okay. 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 At, the, at the end of my working life, I, I said earlier, working in universities, I had responsible for music, I had responsibility for drama and literature, I had responsibility for visual arts. When I was a schoolboy, those were all the things that I did as well. And I was told as a schoolboy, oh, I should go to university and do English or drama. I was told by the music people, you should go to music as well. But the art teacher used to sit with his feet up on the table, reading the racing paper and eating <laughs> cheese and pickled onion sandwiches and said, do what you like, do what you like. <laughs> and make that was the best. <laughs> I love it. Let's close with that. Oh, what, what I do want to ask you, what, what are you currently working on? There's a couple of things going. I'm not doing as much work as I should be doing. My straightforward answer to what you're saying is I am doing some large-scale landscape drawings, all of which, which I call sofa pictures. Mm -hmm. and, and that's only... <laughs> They are large scales, and I'm drawing them on boxes that sofas came in from Ikea. So they are huge, they're enormous, <laughs> they're very, very large, uh, pastel landscape 
ape droids. Mm -hmm. That's that's one thing. And I'm trying to do some watercolors as well. I do have in the background two offers to do two portrait images uh, that are slightly problematic at the moment. But that's it. That, that, that's what's there. Today, as we're talking now, I've got lots and lots of snow outside the windows here. It's been a difficult few days, and now the snow has got lots of sun on it. So I'm trying to spend some time outside with the camera as well, trying to capture some of those images. And who knows what will come out of that? I don't know. I don't know. I can't wait to find out. Charles, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate it. I'm going to put a link to paintinginitaly.com in the podcast notes. And I, I saw from the website that your classes start in April. Is that right? Um, the Painting in Italy courses tend to run between April and very early October. They tend to be in the early summer and late summer months. But of course, here in Italy, as, as you know only too well, it gets very, very hot yes. in, in the summer as well. And that. And, uh, but it's, uh, I mean, Painting in Italy is one of many, many such programs that mm -hmm. are available. If anyone is interested in taking a painting holiday in Italy or some other country, a quick internet search will show them lots and lots of different kind of holidays some of which are quite small and intimate in people's houses some of which are fairly grand like the painting in italy's one mm -hmm. but thank you so much this for doing it and i i'd appreciate that and i know sheila would too but one thing i would say is that the company has just won an award in the last week from the british travel awards as it's won an award for being one of the best singles holidays as well and that kind of i think is fair because those awards are given from comments from people who've actually been on holidays as well and i think it kind of reflects what you and i've been talking about today doing anything on a holiday with people you don't know is a very brave thing to do and i think to go and try and do an activity that you have either always wanted to do and never got around to or that you once did and you now want to do again it's worth it if you've got the time and if you've got the money for doing it. Yep. It's a brilliant. I, I completely agree. And I thank you, Charles Mitchell. And I'm Liz Sumner, reminding you to be bold. And thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.